Is that uh, new to church, new to One Heart? Welcome. My name is uh, Josh, as Kimberly said, and I have the privilege of leading the youth ministry here. And so what that basically means is uh, we run a service for youth on Sunday nights. And so that's basically what I do. I get the privilege to be able to run an extra service for youth, which is similar to this, but different. So, uh, and, and with that, I just want to thank everyone that prays. I know people like Gabriel are always praying for youth stuff and praying into what we're doing. And so where is Gabriel? There. So thank you for all of you else that help out and pray. I just want to encourage you, keep on praying for us because um, God's going to be doing some amazing things. For me, when I took, took the role as youth leader, God clearly spoke to me in Genesis about release the animals. And so it was, a, and if you want to know more about that, come talk to me after the service. But I really believe as a church is in a, a season of freedom, release the animals was all about the animals going out of the ark and we're going to have a place where young people are going to be leaving youth, doing things to be fruitful and multiply in their life. And so I just believe there's a, we're coming into a real season in youth where there's going to be freedom in youth doing stuff and being released to, to do what God wants them to do. And so I want to encourage you to keep praying into that because we're going to see God doing some amazing things. But uh, so if you're taking notes, and I'm going to be continuing in our series for 2017, who knows what our series themes are for the church? Freedom, free, being released, or I don't know, just free freedom. And so we're going to be continuing into that. But if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Me First. Tell the person next to you, Me First. Me First. It's all about me. So often we hear messages, this is it, uh, like in church about, uh, not be, about being selfless, focus on others, not us. Don't be selfish, which is true and good. Who believes that? It, it's good to be outward focused and not consumed by me. Um, I think it's, and it, it's biblical, it's true. But um, uh, I, I also think the Bible is big enough, and uh, I'll say this, but I think sometimes we miss in church and in life the stuff that's focused on us. We, we get so absorbed by everyone else and we miss what needs to be talking to us about when we've got to put ourselves first. And so, and th- what I'm speaking about today, I've never really heard it preached before, and I think that's a good thing. I think the Bible's big enough and alive enough to, be able to speak to us in different ways that we've never heard before, and I think that's a healthy thing and a good thing. And so, uh, uh, with that, I was even um, speaking to Pastor Michael, where's Pastor Michael? Out there at the back there, at the prayer meeting about things I've been thinking about speaking about today, and... I was going through my iPad and there's stuff about the contradictory Bible that I've got written down and it's not where I've been trying to find stuff where the Bible contradicts itself, but it's more like questions that people have and they go, this doesn't make sense, the Bible says this and it says that. But really when we get the Bible in context, we see how the Bible's invert. it's like an inverted kingdom. My cousin actually in Melbourne, he, like, they've got this band called the Inverted Kingdom and so what it's meaning is like we see in the Bible, we see the kingdom of God, things don't, don't make sense. It's like to do this is the opposite, to do that's the opposite. And so, like, there's a song we sing at youth. It goes, there's a lyric in it, um, I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. And so, we live in this inverted kingdom. And so, I believe that um, uh, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, but when we get it into context, it makes sense that we see that being me first is actually being others focused. But we'll get into this message and hopefully God can reveal that to you. And so, technically, if you're going to have a side, and I think the next slide will say it, me first, free to forgive. And so we're going to be talking about me first and how we're free to forgive. That's spelled wrong. Oh, look at that. Good spelling. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. That's, that is wrong, yes. <laughs> so back to it. We'll go to the Bible now. Who's king for the Bible? Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to start at 21. And we're going to verse 35, which is stop at verse, uh, stopping at chapter 19. All right, so are we ready? 
So you're ready. All right. Then Peter came to him and asked, so him is Jesus, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And so just with that, if you're in the Message Bible, it talks about how um, Peter finally plucked up enough courage to ask. So this isn't just like a question like, oh, hey, Dad, how you going? It's like a, hey, it was like me saying, Dad, can you buy me a new car or something? It's like, it's like real urgency. But, um, but then this is so, um, how, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors who, brought, who was brought in owed him millions of dollars. Now say that, millions of dollars. So this, this guy owed this king millions of dollars, and so we're going to call him Owen, because he owed millions. He was owing millions, all right? So we're going to refer to that bloke who owed money, Owen. Is that cool? So say Owen, because he was owing millions. But so he couldn't, pa- and so who knows, it says this, we'll keep reading. In the process, yeah, so he couldn't pay. So the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down like that, on his knees, fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Wow, powerful. We're going to continue reading soon, but I just want to see there that for me, I'm probably never going to see a million dollars in my bank account in my life. Honestly, I probably never will. I, if God blesses me, thank Jesus, but I might not see that. And I don't know if you use, some of you may see a million dollars, others may not. But we see that for a lot of people to be able to pay back a million dollars is something you never do. And so this guy had a, a bill in his life that he was never physically able to pay, yet the king had pity on him and said, I don't, don't worry about it. How cool is that? Keep reading. But when this man, Owen, left the king, he, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, which for depending on how much money we get paid, could be a week, two weeks salary maybe. You can easily pay that off, right? Yeah? A few thousand dollars, you can easily afford that. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. So he went Darth Vader on him. Like, oh, and turned Vader, like, grabbed him by the throat. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid the entire debt. Mm. Because he could never pay the debt. And so he's probably never going to get out of prison. But in this last verse, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to quickly pray. I'm going to continue on. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're speaking to us right now. We just pray that this, won't, this message just won't be a bit of last, won't just be me talking, God, but we're going to have a transformation in our spirits, in our hearts, where we leave this place new, we leave this place free, where we leave this place knowing that you're real. God, we thank you that you're faithful and we're seeing Richmond get three zip. And God, we just thank you that the pride of South Australia is back and our Adelaide is now, even the scores of Port Adelaide. And everyone said, Amen. How good is that? I want to encourage John for the, the scarf. Come on. 
I used to be an Adelaide supporter, but now I go for the better club in Richmond. But it's nothing better than seeing Crows win a, uh, a showdown. Who agrees? Come on. Amen. So, yeah. Uh, but so to summarize what we saw there, basically Jesus forgave us and he removed the debt of sin we could not pay. Everyone agree? How good's that? And so this is akin. Um, uh, and so the price Jesus wiped away for us, no one on earth will ever owe us more. So what Jesus took from us, the, the sin that I did, no one ever will sin to me as much as that Jesus has taken away from me. So whatever I have to forgive people of is never worth the same thing that Jesus forgave me of. Are we cool with that? That's what we saw there. But we're going to go into another Bible verse, Matthew seven twelve, and it's called the Golden Rule. Now, I reckon it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Do unto others whatever you would like them do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. In other words, we could say it like this. Do unto others what you like them do to you. This is what the Bible teaches us. Yeah? Who's heard that? Do unto others what you want them to do to you. So the Bible, this, my Bible calls it the golden rule. Your Bible might say it as a title as well. But I would like to call this the mother rule. The mother's rule. For example, so I had the privilege, and because some people don't, to grow up in a Christian family, and so my mum was a Christian, and so there'll be situations, I'll just make sure I'm going to get a good example here because I could go waffle. Um, the, and so this verse was highly quoted to me and my sisters in developing growing up years. It was because, uh, uh, yeah, so do unto others what you want them to do to you. And so, um, for example, there could be the comment, Mom, Leanna's not sharing. Mom, Mariah, Mariah's not letting me watch my TV show. And so then, what would mum say? Come on, Leanna, or come on, Mariah. Do unto others what you would like them to do to you. Right, and who, who, who's been a Christian, grown up family has had that privilege? It's just me. Now, others have had it, a good. And so, um, another situation is, I have, I have hundreds of cousins, really. Not hundreds, that's an exaggeration, but nearly. I nearly got hundreds of cousins. But I've got these two younger cousins, Barney and Hector, and they have an iPad. Who knows what an iPad is? Who's got an iPad here? Who knows what Minecraft is? Minecraft? I know it's... Uh, let's not go to Minecraft. But th there's this game that looks like Minecraft, but it's kind of like you shoot each other. And you can play it on different devices via the internet or something, and they can be on the same map and be shooting each other. And so Barney and Hector were playing this game, and, and they'll be like, this is what they'll say. Don't shoot me, and I won't shoot you. And then Hector, will, and, then, and that's their rule. Don't shoot me, and I won't shoot you. Then what happens? They see each other and shoot each other. And then you have, then you have Barney going, you shot me, Hector! And then the fight goes from on iPads to physical. And so then, like, me and, me and my cousin Angus, who's my age, we're like, we're like, guys, do you want to others what you want them to do to you? You want to not be shot. Don't shoot the other person. But it's, just, it's one of those funny things. And so we see it so often. We can be selfish, self-absorbed. But the Bible says that's a golden rule. The Bible teaches us we've got to do to other people what we want them to do to us. But in life, it's so often we find it gets blurred. But Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of um, thinking others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, when we couple them together, so that what we just read in the golden rule, we can often get so religious that we lose the context of what it is saying. And so I think we, the church, can create a doctrine that says you can't have your own interests, um, you should be condemned if you, if you want to enjoy something in life. So it could be, oh, I want to have a, a, a swig of water. Swig of water. But sometimes we can get so religious and read that and be like, 
oh, no, how dare you want water? You should be thinking about everyone else. We should be pouring water on all of you because um, that's not thinking about them. And so but I think that's a dangerous territory when we start moving from uh, completely everyone else and neglect us. But, so, um, and, but then when we see that, that's not what the Philippians said. It, one of the major parts, it says, um, don't try to impress others. So when we have, get a false humility, what's false humility? When we look so humble, we're proud of it. That's what false humility is. When we think we're so proud of our humility, you just lost the point. Um, and so when we try to impress others with our humility, uh, uh, and so we try to impress others with, I don't, look, I don't look out for me, I look out for everyone else. We've missed it. We, we've lost what it's saying. And so basically we get so consumed with others, we neglect us. Um, and so should we be jealous? No. Yeah? No jealousy. We shouldn't be jealous. Um, uh, but then should we take an interest in others? Yes, of course we do. The Bible said that. And so like, for, with that as well, how do you expect to be in a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, wife or something if you don't take an interest in others? It's not all about me. Otherwise, you'll, they'll be like, catch you later because you're going to have to make the sacrifice somewhere. But um, we can't go to the extreme of others, 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 and miss you, miss me. And so um, I learned this at Bible college. I got convicted by this. And like, um, rest is good. Josh time is good. And so it's necessary for me to rest and enjoy things in life but don't let them consume me, of course. I've got to own it, not it own me. But you've got to enjoy life. And so in Bible college, I got so convicted by that because I was so much like, oh, no, death to life, death to me. But it's actually something when there has to be that balance where you do enjoy things. It's good to watch a footy game. It's good to do something as long as that's not all of you, right? And so um, the problem with famous verses like Matthew 7, 12 um, for for long time Jesus followers, for Christians that we've been here for a while, is it just becomes a cliche. We know it, we can quote it, but we don't live it. We see it on the fridge. We, you can see a beautiful artwork on Instagram. Double click, love heart it. You see it on Facebook, like it, emoji it. Oh, that's oh yeah, that's awesome. But then when we apply it to our lives, is it is it in motion? Is it actually there? Not really. And so. Um, well, at least that's for me. I can say that. I can say it can become cliche. I can quote that. I can say, do unto others what you want them to do to you. But then do I actually live that? Is that a re- is, do people say that's what Josh is? That's, and that's the question. And so then Matthew 7, in Matthew 7, 12, the same verse, in the Message Bible, it punched me. And it didn't phys- the Bible didn't physically like, boom. But it, it, it convicted me and, and challenged me in a way that it actually went into some motion. And so here's how it says it. Here is a simple rule of thumb guide to behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and the prophets, and this is what you'll get. Initiative. Grab the initiative and do it for them. And so I think initiative is ownership, right? Initiative is ownership. Now, this Luke's going to have a bull there for me. This is called the verbal. Can everyone say verb? The verbal. So this is smiley verbal. In year, this, I'm going to give a year six English lesson. Um, so thank you, Mr. Jones. You're, you're, you taught me something. So we learned about verbs in English. And so a verb is a doing word. Can everyone say that? A doing word. So whatever verbal does is a verb. So bouncing, doing word. Punching is a doing word. Whatever the verbal does, I'll take it back. Whatever the verbal does is a doing word, right? And so I believe initiative is kind, it's not really a verb, but it is because it's a doing word. It, it's when we use initiative, it goes from just a saying to a doing, right? So thanks, Luke, before I get distracted and start playing around all service. Um, so uh, 
we've got to go from, move from initiative to, no, no, not initiative, to initiative. We've got to go from just the ball could be there to, no, we're going to move that ball. We're going to move that thing in our life. And so, for example, with initiative ownership, if you see a little bit of rubbish somewhere, do you, what's your initiative? Do you go, no, you know what, I'm going to pick that up because I want someone to pick that up for me? Or do you just leave it there? And so that's the thing. The initiative goes from seeing the rubbish to actioning the rubbish, right? That's what initiative does. And so I want to say this. I think there's going to be a slide on the screen. Uh, it's, I've got here, initiative or assumption. And so I think these two words are, are opposites in a way. So initiative versus assumption. And so initiative says we take ownership. Assumption says we let someone else do it. Initiative says, um, for example, this happened to me on Friday. Uh, initiative will go, I'm going to tell others about a family event that's happening. When assumption says, oh, oh we assume that they know. And so I think assumption can cause trouble. And uh, it, it's from pit of hell, really, because um, when people, because it gets you in trouble, assume this, you get in trouble. Don't assume, you get in trouble. And so initiative will say, we're going to over-communicate, we're going to get things said and done, because we don't want to be trapped in assumption. And so, and the Bible also talks about the God is a God of order, not disorder. And so the more initiative we have, the more order there will be. The less assumption, the more assumptions we have, the more disorder things can be. But we're going to continue on. So who's heard the thing, conviction creates character? Who said that? Conviction creates character. And then so then, yes, true. So when I get convicted about initiative, that will start to create my character. What's character? It's who we are when no one is watching. And so I could have the initiative, I'm going to do for others what I want them to do for me. So I might see the rubbish. Then my character, so that conviction, my character changes when I see that rubbish when no one is watching me to pick it up and deal with it or whatever it could be. Yeah? And so um, uh, we're going to go to the next. And so conviction might, uh, yeah, I've said that. Matthew 7, 1 to 5. Is it, so if we're in uh, Matthew 7, 1 to 5, we're going to read this. This is, I think, it's, uh, really links in well. Don't judge others and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated, uh, for, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see the past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And so let's be transparent and honest right now. I'm going to talk about some stuff that God's been really speaking to me about these last few weeks. And so who has people in their life that just annoy the heck out of you? They frustrate you. And it's not good to have buttons, but they push all your buttons. They just know how to push you in the wrong place. They just get reactions. You go, oh, it's so frustrating. Why do they do that? Um, anyone have people like this in their life? I do. And so it could be a boss. It could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be any person, a checkout person at the supermarket. It could be anyone. And we can be like, why are they so mean to us? Why are they so like, angry? Why are they just, they can be yeah, so irritating. But, and we respond with this justice. This is so unfair. Why are they so rude? Like, how dare they? And, and this is what God's been telling me, has revealed to, and been telling and revealing to me in my life, is that we often do that same thing to other people. And so for me, I might be like, how dare they do this? How dare they be so rude? Yet I find myself in situations in life where I'm annoyed at what someone else is doing to me, then God's been saying, hey, Josh, you just did that. Hey, Josh, you've just done that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, guilt and shame. Like, oh, my, how can I be such an evil person? But it's, it's so true. We see other people doing it. Just There's a speck in our, uh, plank in our eye, and we're seeing their speck. We, oh, how dare they 
say that? How dare they do this? Then we go do the same thing in another situation. And so, he, uh, and so, and so I've got here. So often we see the problem, and so it could be short-tempered. Why are they so short-tempered? I end up being short-tempered. Um, why are they so stingy? Then to put me in another context, I'm as stingy as. And it's going to go, and, it just, uh, and so I got here. So often we see the problem in others, yet it flourishes in us. And so off Owen, and we saw at the start, Owen saw the speck of debt in a bloke, but then missed the, the plank of debt in his life. Yeah? And so I got another biblical example of this exact situation in John 12, 3, 6. It says this, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with fragrance. Now, continue reading. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who will soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So Judas was a, saw a false issue in Mary. It wasn't even a real issue. He saw a, 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 a supposed speck in her eye and was blinded by his own issue. Um, and because he thought, oh, that, how dare she be not using that money for something else? Yet he's not doing, like, using money effectively in his lo- own life anyway. And so we see the issue. Um, and, so, and that's what Owen did. He saw the debt, but was oblivious to his. We see the issue in others, but neglect the real issue in us. And we, we can see a fake issue in others and neglect the real issues that's happening in me. And so um, the word for today, who, who loves those books? I encourage you to grab one from the front, use that every day. But late last year, it was talking about double standard. This is what it says. It's our natural inclination to go easy on ourselves, judging others according to our intentions, while holding others to a higher standard and judging them based on their actions. Hmm. For example, someone who cheats on his taxes or steals office supplies still expects honesty from the company whose stock he buys and the business clients he deals with. That's what's known as a double standard. Hmm. And so I think so often in life, we live this life where we go, oh, it's okay for you to treat me fairly, but I'm not going to have that same thing for you. It's all right for you to treat me the way I want to be treated, but that doesn't go back to you. And I think that's very, very bad. And so, um, um, and so that is what Jesus was communicating in that story with Owen. And so Owen thinks everyone else should be punished, yet I deserve my forgiveness. And so we, we might see other certain characteristics in others, greed, bullying. A bullying one's a big one. I don't know if you've been around in school environments or something. You'll often see bullies have often been bullied beforehand. So you'll see a kid that gets bullied by their older siblings. They end up being a bully at school. And that bully at home might hate getting paid out. They might hate getting physically bashed or something. I don't know. But then they hate that so much. Yet when it comes to school... They don't go, I don't like this. They think, oh, I'm just going to do it to others because it's a character thing that happens. And so whether it's all of these things, it can annoy us so much, but we end up living that same kind of a thing out. And so um, uh, as much as they don't like it, they learn to do it, which is so sad. But God, And so this is what I think we've got to do. We've got to say, God, this m- may this be a lesson to me on how I don't treat people, how I don't talk to people. So when, when you're having that person in your life that's, being rude, being obnoxious, whatever it could be, we've got to take that person and go, God, help me not live like that. Help me not do that same thing to others. And that's the prayer we've got to be praying. Rather than going, this person, God, 
teach him how to be. You know, we're going to go, God, that, this is a lesson for me to not do that to others. I know how painful it is to me. I know how much I don't like this. I'm going to make the change. I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to start being nicer. I'm going to start showing more love to others. And so um, a revelation that God gave to me, and, 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 it, and I think for anyone who wants to prophesy, preach, or whatever in life, I think you should be able, this hopefully can encourage you and, and help you out a lot. But it, so um, God showed me this as I started to be beginning to preach and do things, and I think it's a great thing. Well, hopefully, I'll hold for the rest of my life. And so, um, in 1 Samuel 16:1, if you if you want to go to your Bibles, you can get that. It's only one verse, 1 Samuel 16:1, and I'll read that and I'll tell you what God spoke to me through that. It says this: Now the Lord said to Samuel, "You have mourned long enough for Saul, who was the king, because he died." I've just added that in for those that don't know. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be king. And so if we continue reading the Bible there, we'll see that this young guy called David become, is one of the sons that becomes king. David fills up this olive oil to anoint him as king, and that's pretty cool. But we see that there's two huge points in here. And so if we go to the next slide, it will have them. First one, stop mourning for Saul was a message to Samuel. The first message was to him, was to me. And so it was stop mourning him first. That was the first message. Second point was, it doesn't say that, but it was to anoint David, a message for others. And so this is what God showed me from that one simple verse. God won't give us a message for others until we listen and apply, obey, any of those words, whatever one suits you, the message he gives us. And so we've got to live that life. When we read the Bible, we've got to read it for what God's telling me, not for what I've got to tell my wife. I'm not married but yet, but we've got to listen to the message for what God's telling me, not for what I've got to tell my mum off about. I've got to listen to the message about for me, to not what I've got to tell this. Who knows what I'm talking about? That's what the Bible says here. And so now there is a bit, I'll just, just I'll divert a little bit. Um, but with this, and so obviously about humility, not pride, it's about humility, not pride. God is teaching us, not telling us to tell others. And so who's heard of the saying, your gift will take you further than your character can hold you? Who's heard of that one? And so I think it's so true. Some people can have the best preaching ability or prophecy ability, and that gift can take them to a quite a good level. But if your character's nowhere, so yeah, you might have the best prophecy. You might be able to tell other people how they're doing wrong. But if your character's no good, you're going to be... You, People aren't going to get you to prophesy. People aren't going to get you to preach. And so for all of us, if we want to be people that go, you know what, I want to be able to share to other people's stuff, well, first of all, we've got to start listening to the, what he's telling us. That will then give us conviction, which changes our character, which ends we have good character, which will hold our gift. Is that cool? People understand that? And so I think that these are the things that God's been telling me, and I think it just I want to help you on the same journey. And so when we listen to preaching, for, we've got to listen to us. Not go, hey, I, know it, I might be the only sinful person here, but I can be in a pressing gym and man, my sister should be listening to this. I could be, in an, I could be listening to a podcast of some preaching, be like, man, um, our leadership team needs to listen to this. But you know what? Where did I miss the thing where going, no, Josh, you've got to listen to that. Because if you're on that ministry team, well, you're obviously just as much affected by them. And so we've got we to gotta change our perspective rather than going, others, others, others. We've got to start going, me, me, me. And so this is why I think the Bible, so we can look at it and go, oh, it's contradicts. No, it doesn't contradict. We've got to put us 
and hear what God's saying to us before we start wanting to preach to everybody else. And so um, don't be an Owen. You see the problem of others, yet you overlook yours. Jesus forgave us, freed us from sin. Therefore, we are free to forgive others. And so we've got to have a new freedom in our lives where we go, rather than being consumed by everyone else's sins to us, we've got to go, you know what, God? Thank you so much for freeing us our debt. What we're, we're going to free everyone else of their debts to us. And so I really hope that encourages you. Now, I'm going to get, um, if we can, everyone to stand up. And so um, I think there's three types of people in this room right now. The first group of us are people that we love Jesus. We know Jesus exists. We know he loves us. We, he's the focus of our lives from work to, to we, that's why we're in church because we believe God's our number one focus. The next group of people that could be here is we have known God. Um, God has had been a, a focus of our lives, but we just seem we've drifted. We seem a bit cold. We're not as connected as we would like to be or want, want it to be. Then we have a third group as you'll be honest and go, you know what? I have no idea who Jesus is. I don't know what he's done. I don't really know why he's done. But I want to, I want to pray for all, all three of us groups. But before that, for that group, um, number three, if you don't know who Jesus is, I believe just as we saw at the very start with this guy called Owen, who owed millions of dollars that he could never pay. Each one of us in life, we've sinned. What sin? The sins we've done the wrong thing. We know, I, I think last time I preached at church, I talked about oops or no moments. And we've all had oops or no moments. I should have done that. I should not have said that. But Jesus, as it said there to that Owen, when we plead to God, say, God, forgive us, he will write that clean. He will say, that does not worry. And so if, you, if you're in this place or not today and you go, you know what, Josh, I, I want to have that freedom extended to me. Jesus loves you. And I'm just going to encourage you just to raise your hand. And I'll, and I'll see that hand because the reason I want to raise your hand is that, um, I'll do it on the count of three, but I'll do that soon. But when you raise your hand, it's a physical demonstration. You know what, God, this isn't just a thing I'm thinking about. No, I'm in. Because just like when you want to get an ice cream at Macca's, you don't just go, oh, I'd like an ice cream at Macca's. You go and pay the money because you want the ice cream. And so if you're truly like, you know what, I want this forgiveness, you'll raise your hand as a signal to that. And I'll look at you. And then at the end of the service, if that's you, just come see me. I'll be at the back there somewhere. And I just want to give you a booklet to help you out with that decision. So if that's you, on the count of three, just raise your hand and we'll all pray a prayer for that after me. So that's you. One, two, three. And if you, when I see your hand, I can get you to put it down. That's cool. For the rest of us, though, now, um, we're, we're going to pray a prayer anyway, and that'll be cool. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Uh, I'll get to what we're to pray. God, 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 yep. I'll say it like this then. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you for forgiving us. We thank you so much that you, you've wiped the debt that we would never be able to pay. And that's... Uh, and we, and God, we just ask today that you give us eyes to see the things in others and forgive them. And more importantly, put us first. So that we forgive. Oh, no, I, I don't know, I'm going to, don't worry about repeating me, I'm going to this. So God, we just, for all of us, we just thank you so much that uh, we're going to be us focused first. So we're going to hear the messages from you and then, uh, and then have that same grace to others. Rather than preaching to them, we're going to let you preach to us, Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we're going to leave this place free and free to forgive. And Holy Spirit, we just believe that we're going to see that 
in a new level of our church. Rather than being cynical and grumpy, we're going to be people of life and forgiveness. And so right now, what we're just going to do is we're going to sing that song, I Come to the Altar. And I want us, as we've even, great job with Kimberly today in the communion. We're going to let God touch us and move us in a, in a moment. We're going to go, God, we thank you for your forgiveness. And we're going to put us first in a place where we hear what he's saying to us and get that initiative change now.